Storytelling. Moments in time. The things we don't want to forget. Details that are etched in our souls are every day. Teaching. Artists who want to share their passion for telling the stories of their lives so you can better tell the stories of yours. Sharing. A space and place to share your work, be inspired, motivated, supported, and learn from one another. Community. A group for photographers run by photographers. We welcome you to this community. Welcome to Hello Storyteller Podcasts. I'm Megan Boggs, a natural light, lifestyle, outside the box, and motive photographer, and mom of two sweet girls based out of Tulare, California. And I'm Melissa Ortendahl, a natural light, lifestyle, and documentary photographer based in central Massachusetts. Be the first to know about all of our upcoming educational opportunities, blogs, podcasts, mini lesson tutorials, and more. Make sure to check out our website at www.hellostoryteller.com and sign up for our mailing list to receive all the exciting new updates. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, we're so excited to have you all here with us today. Welcome to Hello Storyteller Podcast. And we are super pumped to be talking with Ryan Longnecker today. Hey, Ryan. Good. Hey, Meg. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, laugh every time. <laughs> I will because I just, I'm always like, is she going to change how she responds to me saying hello to her? No, she's not. <laughs> no. Maybe next time. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So we, it was funny. We always kind of have a, a little bit of a pre-conversation before we begin the podcast. And then at a certain point, we're like, we should just hit the record button because it's happening already. So we should just jump on in here. <laughs> um, but we're, we're so excited to have you here with us, Ryan. We really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule, out of your family time to chat with us today. Um, in one of the conversations that we were just having before we hopped on here, which I think is a really interesting, and I'd love to hear your viewpoint on it too, is this concept of, um, you know, of kind of bringing both sides of your, you know, life together, both as a parent and as a creative, you were just sharing a story about how, you know, your children are very different in terms of their, um, attentions and energy levels and how, how when your older daughter was, you know, at home and you were trying to get work done, it was super easy and your younger one, not so much. And both Meg and I can relate to that on a very personal level. Um, so I guess, you know, one of the things that I'd love to hear your perspective on is how do you, and we talked about how balance is a a myth, (laughs) but how do you find, um, some sort of sense of equilibrium between those two things, because you do travel and, and, you know, you're kind of here, there and everywhere. And, and how does that work for you as a parent of, of children and as a, a spouse and a partner too? Um, how does that all kind of come together in your life for you? Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm, I'm always honored to be able to talk and especially about these topics that we're about to talk about. Like that's actually something that I'm so, I mean, I know people want to hear about gear and photos and other things too, but it's so important to be talking about these things like these, these undercurrents. And so I just appreciate the, the kinds of questions that you guys are asking. So thank you for having me on first but um uh so i think that for me how i find a sense of equilibrium uh i it's it's hard because i know that when i'm at home 
it's harder for my girls to see the things that I'm doing as work because when I'm at home, I'm just the parent at home and I can't expect them to have a full grasp on what it means to, to be a creative or be a photographer or doing work on my computer at home because that's also a place where I can go to relax and that's a place where I can go to get family stuff done. So there's no real designated workspace. And so I think that just having to keep in front of my face at all times that what they see when I'm home, they're not able to, to kind of parse out the nuances of what it means to be a independent contracted photographer yes. or these other, like they don't know that. And so when they want my attention, um, and my wife who works, but she has an office and she has a place that she goes to do work, they're a lot more clear of when mom's away, she's working and occasionally I'll travel and they see that as me working. But at home I have to, for me, it's not as important to strike a balance as it is to make sure that I am attentive to the development of my kids primarily. Um, because if I win at that and I lose at getting the edits done when I want to or responding to an email right away like I would like to to make sure that I don't lose a client that I want to get and all of those other things like – the prioritization of my kids over all of that has has won out over time and then i think the the way that i do it is just often it will be once ever once everyone's asleep yeah <laughs> like at like 10 o'clock at night when my wife is starting to sleep and my kids are asleep that's like the 11 the 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. is like my my treasured space where i put my head owns on and I've got either a podcast or music and I knock out emails and I do all of that as much as possible because I just don't want that to get in the way of of making sure that my kids know that I'm always going to be present for them when they need me to and then occasionally it's like it's 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 having to constantly explain like I have to go in the room to do work and I'm sorry and then at the same time making sure that that's not the only experience that they have of me. So it's, it's kind of a push and pull. It's, it's, it's hard. And I definitely haven't reached that balance yet, but I, I think that the more that I just find myself landing in the, like making sure that I'm taking care of my girls, I feel like that's sort of a, that's the best place to end up for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I I find myself in a similar situation where I'm working out of our house if I'm not at a session and my husband, you know, is obviously going to work in his office and it allows us a certain amount of flexibility because I can build my schedule around what our boys need and my husband's needs for work. Um and like you said, you know, if they're here with me, then I'm trying to be present with them. Um but there are times when you just have to kind of get work done and and they do struggle to understand, you know, well, I don't understand, like, and then you try to relate it to them in terms of like, you know, well, daddy goes to work in his office and I have to make a phone call and I need, need you to not be <laughs> screaming in the background and yeah, like, yeah. not be wrestling with your brothers while I'm on this phone call. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's like, I, I now realize how, like the amount of joy that I felt when preschool was starting back up <laughs> this year, it was, it was like, 
I I finally got like there's that commercial of like the back to school and the parents are so happy. The most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I was like, I never got that until I was like, Oh, now I get it more that, uh, that especially when you work from home, I'm like Mm -hmm. every room becomes an office. Like every, like, cause I'm like, sometimes I'm in my kitchen or my living room or my room, depending on where I just feel the most comfortable to get the work done. But I'm like, when my kids are home, no room is an office. Every right. room is a playroom. And so, <laughs> yeah. and they're so underneath like, the dining room table. They're like jumping on the yes. bed in my office. <laughs> yes. And yeah. my four-year-old is is also like the minute I open my computer to send an email, now she's so, in, she's so interested in just the digital things that are out there. She she wants to pretend to text people from her preschool on my phone. And I'm so entertained. Like, I'm so, like, entertained by that. I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I just, like, open up notes and I'll just let her type on my keyboard. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, now I have to weigh out how long do I let her do this before yeah. when I take it away, is there going to be a meltdown? So I'm yeah. like, all of these other things where I'm like, it it becomes this sort of like amorphous, like I'm trying to catch a shadow, like I don't fully know how to like do it. So it's it's just craziness. It is. And I feel like it was funny. I have I did a video the other day and I haven't had a chance to post it yet because that's just where life is right now. But specifically about, um, you know, for a lot of portrait photographers, this time of year is, you know, busy season. And so, you know, everyone wants to get their pictures in before Christmas and whatnot. And, um, you know, this pat- I'm making an attest to this the last couple of years, I've been working at an insanity pace um, <laughs> in September and October. And I finally, you know, this past, after the fall was done, you know, I realized that my family was suffering because I was, you know, working a million hours for all September and all of October. And then I spent most of November and December sick in some capacity. And I was stressed out and I was cranky. And I was saying to my husband, I said, you know, we had this beautiful deck. I didn't sit on it once last fall. I didn't get outside, like aside from shooting a session, I didn't get outside once. And I just was like, that's not how... I want to live my life, first of all. And and two, it's not fair to my children. It's not fair to my husband to get the cranky, tired, irritable, like stressed out version of myself. Like, why am I valuing, you know, why, why are they falling lower on the priority list than clients, right? So it's kind of like what you were just saying in terms of maybe not responding as quickly Um, to an email or whatever the case might be. So this year I set a very strict schedule of when I was going to take sessions and what my availability was, and that was it. And so I find myself in a position now where people are inquiring and I'm like, so sorry, love to be able to help you. Here's some other people that, you know, may have still have availability or springs open. Um, And it hurts a little bit because you're like, oh, (laughs) that might be good. But at the same time, like I want to be able to go to my voice my sports practices and, you know, be it volunteer at their school and just be a good human being. And one, you know, they deserve to see the best version of myself, which we try to do every single day, but especially this time of year, like they don't, it's not, they shouldn't be feeling the negative impacts of my inability to set appropriate boundaries. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, and it's impacting our kids in these very, like, these very, like, like adverse, like it's not a very, 
a direct like I'm working so I'm not home so that's why you don't see me like the way that it's impacting them is so much more on like a psychological level that right. that I'm like okay I'm I'm it's it's not important that they know that I'm not he- why I'm not here it's that w- when I am here all of those reasons like if I take a two week trip to Iceland that I think is huge for my career and it's a great teaching opportunity and I'm making way more money than I would at home or whatever it is. Yeah. They don't care. Like they right. like <laughs> I'm I'm not a superstar to my kids. They just want me around and that's it. And and so that is helpful for me to know how to like weigh out when I am here because of how often I'm away. I there's just times where and and it is hard because I think we are also in a field that is constantly churning up those 15, 16, 17-year-old kids who have amazing creative talent, amazing eyes. They know how to sh- how to take pictures. The, their accessibility to the most amazing photo equipment out there is just crazy. And so we're it's it's just inherent in our industry that a lot of the people that we're competing with for clients have nothing but time. They don't right. need, they don't need to make a lot of money. They don't yeah. have a lot of people to be answering to. They are their own boss. They get to d- decide their own s- schedule like when you're 16 to 26 years old or however, it's like it's it's hard to be able to compete with that and so I think that there needs to be that's what I've been trying to unpack for myself is like what do I offer my client interactions more than just low prices or easy mm-hmm. flexibility because I'm not going to be able to compete with people who are 22 and fresh out of college and would love to just travel for free and go take a thousand pictures and hand them all off. And like, that's the kind of world that I'm in. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, how do we rewrite the book for people who need to have somebody who understands the business out of it more? Or what do I do to, to not try and compete with that Instagram friendly world that mm-hmm. says like make sure that everybody thinks that you're constantly traveling, right? And, <laughs> and I'm like, how how do I? What else can I bring to the table that says like no? There's there's a maturity in the amount of time and investment that I put into this career that says okay, I can offer you and I can bring value to you, your brand, your company, whatever it is, that is more than this other thing in the truth of it is some people won't care about that value that I can bring. They just need to get the lowest price photographer who's the most flexible. And I'm like, I totally get that. And I have to release the discomfort I feel with Mm -hmm. that and say Mm -hmm. like, for me, the higher priority is, is like, how do I create a world in which my kids benefit from my career more than just me feeling like I'm accurately, creatively expressing myself or turning it into a story about me because this also has to be work and it has to work for my family. So, right. Yeah. No, I, that's a fantastic point. Um, you know, I, in a lot of different groups that I'm in, there is, you know, a lot of talk about, you know, how super saturated or oversaturated the market is regardless of kind of what genre of, you know, photography or creative work that you're working in. Um, but this, you know, I, and I feel like a lot of people are spending time and effort and energy on trying to figure out how to one up other people in the industry. What you really need to be doing is is turning that mirror around. And what you just said is looking at yourself and saying, 
you know, what value do can I bring to this client that nobody else can? Mm-hmm. You know, what do I have that sets me apart from other people? Um, and also, as you said, too, being, being comfortable and understanding that they just might not choose to value <laughs> yeah. what you are valuing about yourself or what you think that you have to bring. Because at the end of the day, they have a, a budget or a mindset or an idea of what it might be. And, um, and that can, I think, especially for somebody that's maybe new or starting out in, in the industry can be, you know, it can be heartbreaking. <laughs> Totally. Because you're like, well, I don't understand. Like, why? Um, <laughs> yeah. And it just, you know, it's just a part of the process of kind of finding your voice as an artist and and understanding that someone saying no to you does not mean that you don't have the skill or the talent to be right. able to do the job, you know, amazingly well. It just means that this isn't the right fit for you or for mm-hmm. them. Totally. And, and I think that it's especially hard when – when people don't have a good, like a good amount of work under their belt, it's a lot, Mm -hmm. it hits them a lot more personally because they don't real, like I kind of want to look at every photographer that wants to make this their main thing and say like, just so you know, ahead of time and that this is a very saturated world. Like there's, there is, there's 500 million active users on, on Instagram. Like don't beat yourself up that you don't have, that client that you want yet because it has, it probably has very little to do with your work and probably it has to do with the fact that nobody's super happy with the way that, that like work gets presented out there, whether it's the algorithm on Instagram Mm -hmm. or whatever it is, like everybody has a complaint about how it works, but it's like, I actually think it it increases people's value when they see that like, oh, this isn't a good fit for me. And what I want is to find more work that is a good fit because there is plenty of it out there. And everybody, I mean, there's an Instagram person out there whose page, her whole thing is she rubs her face on pieces of bread. And, 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 and I'm not no. I'm not joking with you. She has like millions of followers. That's insane. And wow. I, and so when I saw that, it was so crazy, but also so like liberating to know like right. oh, like anybody can have the weirdest niche ever. <laughs> yeah. And still there's still an audience for it somehow. Like there's still like so don't worry about what works for everyone else. Find out what you would want to do, what kind of creative work you you would want to do, regardless of how many people would see it, and then just kind of become the best at that thing. Because right. there will be an audience, there will be people, but the whole thing is to not just go in this very wide stream where there are 500 million people. Find out what is that one thing that sets you apart, and there might be a very small niche, but a small niche in a world of seven billion people could mm-hmm. still be really huge, and you can have success there. And I found out, I found that out from doing wedding photography for eight years, and then after, like nobody would know that about me because right. once. I realized that that's not what I wanted to be doing and that's not how I wanted to express my creative voice. I left that world completely and took kind of a leap to say like, I want to pursue like the outdoor photography landscape work 
And I pursued it knowing that like, that's the kind of stuff that I want to be shooting. And if you're shooting something you don't want to, no matter how successful you are, I think that at some point it'll just wear you out. Like regardless of how much balance you've found or how much money you're making in it, I think that if you're, cause this field is about, there's an undercurrent of like creative expression. So if you're not mm-hmm. really able to do that, and you're just treating it like every other job where you don't want to show up, I think that that eventually gets people, like, messed up. Yeah, I totally agree. Because I felt like I found myself in that position where I would try to build clientele and build my business of taking clients. And every time a shoot was coming up, I would just wish, oh, I hope they cancel. I hope they cancel. And I just would go into it not feeling great. I mean, once I did the session and I, I, I worked my magic and I did my thing, I'm like, oh, this is great. But, you know, it was the, the before and the after where I didn't want to go to the session. I had a great session, but then I edit five images and I'm done. I don't want to do anymore. So Mm. I finally figured out, you know, in 2017, hey, this client work is not, is not for me. And that's fine. And I found my niche in the photography world in a different way where I created this community and I created this platform for education where it's a total different feel. And it kind of put together all of my loves of design and website um, design and photography and telling stories where you just have to find what fits you and not try to be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ryan, I'd love to hear a little more about how you decided to make that switch, Um, because I think that is something that I I see a lot of people struggling with, that they want to either break into the wedding, you know, market, or they want to break into something else, or they want to, you know, kind of go in a different direction, and of course, they've got clients, and they've got referrals, and all these things, and, and how do they go about navigating that? What was... Was there a, a moment for you where you were like, yeah, no, this is not yeah. <laughs> what I want to do? And how did that process work for you kind of making that jump? Sure. Yeah, it's um, that's a that's a good question. I, I think that I have sort of an unpopular answer because the popular answer I hear out there is like, make the leap and don't have a plan B and like just do that. And I was like, I'm not at that point in my life. I have to make some calculated risks. I have to leverage an audience I have. I have to make business choices because I was co-owning a wedding photography business with a good friend of mine. And so, so I'm a lot more conservative in my approach to towards like career changes because it's, it worked for me. And also I think it's irresponsible to just tell people who are like struggling to just make that leap. And I'm like, yeah, that could be a really bad choice for a lot of people. Um, But um, I, so when I was shooting weddings, I started in 2008 and then in 2015 at some point, 2015, I think was my last year of shooting weddings. We had developed an, an okay business. It wasn't crazy, but I remember as I would be taking pictures, I was like resenting how similar everybody's weddings looked. And I was, Mm. and I just got to the place where I was like, I felt like there was like judgment in me towards that or towards people having the same, like, like canvas wrapped Mason jars. And I was just like, okay, like I, 
which I think is is great and everybody should have the chance to have whatever wedding they want. There was just something in me that stopped being excited for the people who I was taking these pictures for. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's that's not good. Like I want whoever's shooting these people's a wedding to add excitement to their day. And I just got to that point where I was like, I'd be taking pictures and I was like, you know what would be really great about this picture if the people weren't in it, like, <laughs> and so, and so that's where I was like, yep. uh, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I need to step away from this. And when I had just had that internal conversation, I just opened it up of like, what would my life look like if I was doing things other than that? There was so much excitement and there wasn't fear there. And I was willing to, I was willing to take that step out and, fail and that was a very real option because I know that there's a lot less very real work when you are not doing wedding photography in Southern California like but um I so what I did was I just erased all of my like I talked to my business partner and I said you can have all of the client leads that we have you can have all of the design like I don't need anything from this I want you to be successful in everything that we have and so I just handed it over to him he's still doing great with all that and um and then I was like okay I need to completely erase every piece of evidence that I shot photography as a wedding photographer so I like <laughs> scrap it all yeah so I scrubbed my whole like I created a, a website under my a name I asked my business partner to create or he actually created one under his own a name which I think was a smart business move mm. for him too. And so our combined site is no longer a thing. And um, and I created my own site and I was like, I have so many pictures just from my traveling to do a weddings or personal work that I just built a travel photography website at the time. And it was, it was all very, it wasn't that great. It was just like, I want people when they Google, if they Google my name to find <laughs> landscape work. And yeah. so that's where I was just like, I want my name to become anonymous with this certain brand and style and drone photography and landscape work. And so I just made it very intentional to like, to, to use alt tags on my images and to really work on my my SEO and switch my whole in, Instagram over, erase everything that's not there. And it's like I had to get rid of a lot of work. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it was like I don't want people because I have that I have that same thing in me that I think a lot of creatives have, where they want to be able to do everything. Like yeah. I've shot food for a menu. I do corporate headshots. I do weddings, and I have done and can do all of that but that's not the work that I want to be hired for so right that's where I was like okay I just had to um Ben Hasso has a quote where he says show more of what you want to shoot more of right and and I'm like yeah that makes perfect sense to me and I'm so thankful for him and for catch who are two really yeah who are two super close ends of mine but they are so like I was able to just kind of sit in on a lot of their classes because I would like help them with some things that I learned so much from attend like from intentionally placing myself into learning spaces too and so yeah. 
I tell people also like who's at the next step, who's like five steps down a line from where you want to be and find out if that person's doing mentorships or classes and go sit in on somebody teaching. Um, because I think that that's really key. And, but you have to first identify like what road do you want to be on? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I hope that answered the question. I'm such a rambler. And this is probably <laughs> I'm probably the worst person. People are like, what is he talking about? I ramble no. so much. Okay. First of all, you're not rambling because you make perfect sense. Okay. Um, so that's <laughs> fine. Uh, no, I think it's so true. Like what you said about, you know, when you thought about leaving what I'm sure was potentially a, a fairly at least kind of stable, you know, work existence with, you know, wedding photography and making that jump and that leap to something that was completely different that you weren't known for, that feeling of excitement that kind of bubbled up inside of you. I think sometimes we, you know, we focus too much on what we think we should be doing Mm. and don't necessarily listen to that voice inside of our head that's saying like, I don't know, this actually isn't like... (laughs) where you should be right um and and making that leap right and and kind of taking that step forward and i think it's true that um you know what that quote from ben that said and i think actually that it was i followed both him and catch for a long time and um and i feel i feel like i remember very vividly seeing that like several years ago and being like that makes so much sense yeah. to show the work. <laughs> like, why was that not something I was thinking of already? Like, of course, because right. if I want to shoot more of whatever it is and people aren't seeing that from me, then how are they going to know that's what I want to do? Right. Um, and how do I get better at it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I have, like, when I've taken people through my mentorship process, that's one of the th- things that's so hard for then they have a hard time separating this kind of like, here's what I want to shoot, but I also want people to know that I can do anything. And so it's like they want people to trust their vision and their style and their like unique quality that they bring. But they also want that same person to be able to somehow parse out the like, oh, but they can also do all of these other things and have them not think that like, Oh, that means they can probably do everything just okay. And so right. it's this it's this hard process of taking people through like, yeah, get rid of all of your like family pictures that you have on your Instagram maybe. Like that might be a good choice for mm-hmm. your business. It might not. Maybe your brand is actually intentionally showing more of those personal sides of you. It just is like what do you want people to think about you when they see your work pretty much. And so Yeah. Yeah, that's – I mean it's it's constantly a hard process too because I, I'll do photo sh- shoots for things that aren't necessarily landscape oriented and I'm like I want to show this because I want people to see this because I'm proud of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like it's just not good for mm-hmm. my brand to show that. And so right. I find myself in – I'm still kind of torn of like I want to show people things that I'm proud of but how do I do it in a way that doesn't – denigrate my all of this work that I've had to develop this like this is what Ryan's all about so that people know that when they hire me so right because I never would have known had I not um I saw you uh present at click away 
And I think you mentioned the fact that you had been a wedding photographer. Then I never would have known that because that does is not what comes up when success <laughs> when you look at you. So yes, it's worked. It's yeah. winner. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> Good job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, and I think it can be hard, right? Because I think people feel like, and I think where that comes from, right? That that feeling of wanting people to know I can do anything is because there's not a sense of security or a sense of not security. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, oh, I just had it. Uh, just a confidence, a sense of confidence, right? That I can specialize in this one area because this is actually where my strengths lie the most. And I'm going to focus in, in this area, um, because either I'm really, really good at it, or this is what excites me and moves me and it keeps me motivated. Um, I think sometimes as a creative, there's this sense of like, you need to diversify because what if the leads dry up in this area or what if I can't find work in this area, then I need people to know that I can shoot weddings and I can do families and I can do, you know, business stuff. Um, and ultimately I think sometimes what happens there, as you mentioned, is that people don't know that you're necessarily like fantastic at all of those things. Uh, they're just like, Oh, you, so you can do all of this, but what, what's your specialty? Like what, why would I bring you on if you're doing all of these things and then how wide, like how spread out are you in terms of your time, in terms of your ability to invest in me as a client, Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, my ability to communicate with you, like, what does that say to someone that's hiring you? Right. And I think sometimes it gives a complete opposite impression of what we were hoping for to begin with. Totally. It's, it's, it's kind of that, like when I was doing a weddings, I remember listening to a talk by Jose Villa and I remember doing some research about how much he got paid to do weddings. And I was, my head almost exploded because it was a lot of money. And I, even though I wasn't a, huge fan of his style we are stylistically very different when people want that look of a film photographer to go to their a wedding and they and they know what they want and they will go for the person that they know is an expert in that thing and i think it's it's very telling that people are so frustrated at the people constantly lowballing them and I'm like, well, in in a sense, you can't blame people for doing that when they are taking sort of a risk on hiring you because they don't fully know what they're going to get. And so it's it's this it's it's definitely a delicate balance, and which is why I'm 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 a proponent of of like there's a lot of ways to generate passive income that has nothing to do with how you show show your portfolio outward and how you develop your brand you can continue to do that i've just been a lot more curious and having conversations with people that are in the field about like how can we develop other streams of income that doesn't downplay that brand that we've taken so long to build so that we do have other so that we can spread our net wider without it being so public which is why i'm like yeah there's stock photography there's mentorships and teaching and there's uh, there's presets and there's all of these other things that I'm like, there's other ways to be in this industry without just having to show pictures. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of like there's uh, there's just more ways than than working one on one with clients to generate income that I think you can continue to 
be passionate and purposeful in your branding and in your style and in what you're passionate about, even if you haven't landed that plane yet. Because I know some people are like, well, I don't really know what I want to shoot or what my style is. And I'm like, yeah, for you, it might be just like shoot everything until you figure it out. (laughs) But know that like in the meantime, that's a rough place to live. Like you can't, that's not a sustainable thing moving forward. So for sure. I'd love to talk a little bit and pick your brain a little bit about what you look for when you're shooting landscapes or if you're, you know, doing drone work because your work is just, I mean, your work is so beautiful. Um, and it's just, there's so many, the stories just like pop out from there. And there is a piece of me that I look at your work and I'm like, how, how does he manage to, to every time he does this, how does he manage <laughs> to be able to capture this? I don't understand. Partly because I don't shoot that type of photography, but I was scrolling through your print shop today <laughs> And I was like, I have to decorate my office. <laughs> there might be some things coming in there for Ryan. But yeah. I'd love to know what it is. Is there something you look for? Is there innately um, a story that you see? Like what causes you to press the shutter button or mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, say, yes, this is where I'm going to focus my attention on wherever I happen to be on this day at this time. Sure. Um, I think that there are probably a couple answers. And I think that it's, I'm usually surprised, like, I'm always paying attention for, like, what's surprising me about a scene, because I'll sh- show up and I'll shoot Huntington Beach, or I'll shoot Seal Beach, or I'll go shoot these places where I already know the landscape pretty well, so whether or not I've shot a place a million times, or I'm going to a place for the first time, I try my best to be paying attention to, like, what is what's presenting itself to me right now. Um, and so I think that if I'm doing commissioned work, that's different because a client is asking me for a very specific image type that they want to use for whatever. And so I think that that's one way and it's definitely less kind of passionate, but when it's just me, I honestly try and pause and, just kind of this sounds very like out there and I understand it sounds weird, but I actually pause and I just take a deep breath in my nose and I try and like, I try and smell what's going on and it sounds weird, but our smell is, is the strongest like memory retainer. And so for me, I'm, I'm always paying attention to like, what's like happening in the air. Like what is the, what, what's the, magic here and so I think that sometimes it is a kid who's just playing in the water all by himself because for me I'm like that speaks so much to my soul or sometimes I spend an hour clone stamping people out of my picture because in my head I'm like this scene would be so magical if just nobody was here and so, and so, right? yeah. And so I, so for me, it's like, I, I, I find myself in a much more imaginative space than even just a picture taking space. Um, because if I can sort of pre visualize this scene without people here and how magical that would be, 
I'll shoot that picture knowing that the majority of my creative expression is going to be in the post-process part of it. And so I, I find myself treating landscapes and drone image images sort of like I, I honestly picture it almost like I'm, I have a canvas in front of me and I'm, I'm allowed to be as creative with that space as I want to be. I mean, there are some people that are very, they've got, uh, they have rules about how much they can edit certain things. They are, they have journalistic integrity about, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm an, I'm an, I'm an artist. I get to take things out of my pictures. I, I get to add things in there because I want people to experience some kind of magic when they look at my pictures. And so that for me is how I'm approaching it is I'm kind of just wondering like, what could the scene become? And so I'm always paying attention for, I mean, there's the obvious like lighting and framing. And is there one person that feels like they are iconic to this scene? And can I leave them in the frame whether it's a person holding a surfboard or a person opening a camping tent or like something that adds to the scene that isn't just, well, here's 60 people doing all kinds of random things on the beach. Like I want, I want my pictures to feel iconic Mm -hmm. and sometimes that works. Most of the time it doesn't like (laughs) most of my pictures, no one will ever see because one out of a hundred are worth showing people. And so I'm like, yeah, so I'm like, just, I just shoot a lot too, because there's, there's times where if I'm moved by a scene and like, especially there was a picture that I took at convict Lake and I've, I'm so personally attached to that scene because I know what it's like to be on the lake with like in a boat fishing with three other people at 6 a.m. and how peaceful it is and how great it feels. And so I took so many pictures just because I was like, there's something about this scene that's unfolding right here that I, I don't even know if I'll capture it, but I'm going to get every angle. I'm going to get something in the foreground and it's very live to me. It's not like I, it very, it very rarely feels stagnant because I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm constantly trying to work with the like, elements of this scene that are right there. So that's a very abstract kind of answer, but it's true. I love that. I love that idea of really utilizing other senses, not just, you know, your visual sense. Um, because I think they all do come together. Um, and they weave themselves in the work that we, in the work that we produce. And I love that feeling of work being personal, um, you know, because it is, I think, you know, especially the work that we're sometimes the most proud of can be the hardest to let go of and the hardest to share and the hardest to kind of put out there. Um, and things I think that sometimes I know that I'm really proud of. Um, I think to myself, well, no one else is probably going to like this because, (laughs) because it's not, you know, it's not whatever it, whatever it isn't right. Put in whatever adjective you want to describe why it wouldn't be. Um, and I, and I, I find for myself, like, that's the work that keeps me inspired and that's the work that keeps me motivated and it and it pushes me because that's that's what I'm striving for right is that feeling of like this is it needs to mean something to me and I need to feel a connection to it um and I want every you know a lot of what I do to at least my own personal work to be to feel that way um 
Yeah, so I, I think that's, I like that. I don't think it's abstract at all. I think it's actually very like, I think it's a very honest answer. And I think if a lot of people kind of sat down and thought about their process, about how they choose to take a picture, I think a lot of people would, that would resonate with them too. Yeah, it's, I, I and there are times too where I'm like, I want to be able to help the person who's who has just the very basics, not fully, because I feel very comfortable with, my equipment and my own eye that I feel comfortable sort of having my creative process be more ethereal and sort of weird where I'm like, there are some people who just don't know how to use the camera yet and they don't know how to frame a picture. And so for them, they don't trust themselves as much. And so I think that that's sort of a step two for people that might not have the basics i'm like get to the point where your equipment is second nature to you so that you can be thinking about all of that other stuff that's way more important like and i think that that would be my advice for people that feel limited by their understanding of the equipment or their like post-process like their editing become so comfortable with your tools that they are just tools to serve your creative vision because most people are like i don't know how to get a proper exposure or i don't i don't know how to get that look of like depth of field that i want here and i don't know how to do it quick enough that once a bird flies in under my camera i can adjust my focus to make sure that that's in focus with everything else being blurred out like all of those kinds of things are so second nature to me and I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying that that's something that I've gotten so comfortable with that I'm a lot that I've allowed myself the room to kind of think about those other elements that I think are always at play, but often get overlooked because people are so focused on the technical aspects of things. Absolutely. I, I look at it sometimes and I sometimes I talk to people about it like like learning how to speak a language. Mm, you know, totally. when you're learning yes. how to speak a foreign language, you're th- always thinking of the English translation, mm. right? Whatever you're whatever you're speaking. Right. And at a certain point that stops. Yes. And you just speak in the other language and you're not doing that translation in your head. And it, it, I remember the first time I made I knew I made the decision that I was no longer going to shoot on auto. I was going to shoot a manual. And this is probably, oh gosh, I don't even know, eight, nine years ago. And... I, I said to myself, Melissa, once you switch to manual, you're not putting it back. Like you're just, <laughs> you're not going to do it. And you're just gonna, you're going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And I remember so vividly the first, probably several months that I was shooting on manual where I had to figure out how to just everything. It was so frustrated. I'm like, I can't do this. I don't, how do you, like, I don't understand how this works. Like, it doesn't mm. make any sense to me. Like, why are the numbers getting bigger? <laughs> I can't understand the inverse relationship. I don't, I had, I seriously, I just found the other day, actually, oddly enough, in the notes of my phone, I have a little ISO chart <laughs> that I had like typed up to let myself know like where maybe my ISO should be depending on where I was. And you you finally get to a point where, like, as you mentioned, it's just like, I don't even have to look at my camera. <laughs> I know like how many, you know, pushes to the left I need to go to get my camera where I want it to be. And, right. Um, and it's just, it does allow you to, to just then use it as a tool. I think people sometimes get so focused on, I see this come up so much, even in our community here. What camera do you use and what lens do you use? And what's the, and I'm like, whatever you have with you right now, 
learn how to use that to mm-hmm. the best of its ability where you know it inside and out, backwards and forwards, because all your equipment is is a tool. Yep. And if you can learn how to use the tool you have right now in your hand to the best of its ability, then whether you choose to upgrade or buy a new lens or whatever it is, like it's just going to provide you a broader spectrum of use. Totally. But it doesn't change the fact that you still have to know how to use it. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, if I don't know, if anybody is talking about any equipment made after two two thousand and six, there's a very good chance that if you fully knew how to use whatever it is, you could have a good living using that piece of equipment. Like I know a professional uh, wedding photographer who's been booked out for years and he still uses the Canon ID classic, like the first ID ever because he loves the way that it looks. He doesn't, he's not impressed by all the other things, but I'm like, there is no way if you are getting started in the creative world or have, are, are under 10 years in this industry that you are outperforming your equipment. Like there's just no right. way. And, and right. I, I just can't, I, I used to write a lot of gear articles and I still occasionally will, but I'm like, I got so frustrated with that <laughs> world that just want, that wants to blame all of their creative like problems on their equipment. And I'm like, right. they're so like, you're just having the wrong conversation. And I, and so I've, slightly backed off of that not entirely but i'm like i just want people to talk about like what's happening in your heart and your soul when you're creating because that might actually have way more to do with your final product than you think it's true it's true trusting yourself and trusting your gut and you know and allowing your other senses to play into your decision making process when you're shooting something mm-hmm. yeah. I think is a really important piece of it too. Yeah. So I have a, I have a drone related question, not equipment related question, no, it's but okay. just picture related question because I don't shoot. I've never shot with a drone. And I'm always like, when I look at drone work in, in general, but yours in particular, I'm always like, does he know, does he know like what this is going to look like <laughs> once he, before he puts <laughs> the drone up? Cause I'm like, how do you know that all these rock jetties come out and like, there's all this great geometry in your image. Like, are you that familiar with the area? Like, or is it just like a surprise? Like you, you're like, I'm going to shoot from up here and wow. Oh, look, that's pretty cool. Like, how does that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! Yeah. Well, I mean the, the cool part about a drone, at least for me is I treat it as like a scouting tool too, because mm. the reality is there's going to be things that you couldn't have seen until you're 300 feet in the air and you have a, super cool camera attached to it. So I'll just kind of explore. I'll spend the first five minutes just flying around and seeing like, is there a a boat coming out of the Harbor right now? Like is, are there landscapes? Are there shapes and colors and lines in this picture that I couldn't have anticipated? I very rarely go into a drone, like photography time with any, with any idea of what I'm going to shoot, unless it's a place that I've shot many times, mm. or if I'm like on a mountain road that's windy, I'm like, oh, this would probably look cool from the top down to have a windy road. So I have like a general idea, but even so, I'm like, I'll take the drone up on that mountain 
road and I see something way cooler that was that's a quarter a mile up up the hill like I just can't tell and so it kind of appears to me every time um and what's really cool is that with a drone you can point the camera straight down and then you truly do have a flat canvas like you are painting in 2D at that time and that's super like interesting to me because I love that you can't rely on other camera trickery of like depth of field and all of this like all of that where I'm like that's a very standard way to look at pictures now is everybody's kind of shoots at eye level and if you have a super nice camera the majority of the time they're shooting at a very like uh, a lot of depth of field whereas with a drone I love that that it's more painterly and so I have a I used to be an art major and so I still very much love the idea of like 2D painting and canvases and all and all of that so I think that a drone allows me to treat the picture as more paying attention to like what are the shapes here and the colors here and the textures here and all of those other things where I'm like I'm not always paying attention to like what's the subject here I'm paying attention to all of those other things because this object becomes the entire frame pretty much so um yeah so that's sort of how I approach that now do you when you're navigating do you fly it completely out of sight and you're just you know looking at your your phone or monitor (laughs) as you're flying because that terrifies me (laughs) on the record no I would never do that Okay, <laughs> because it's again. Because I know people who do, and I'm like, how? Why? I would lose that thing uh-huh. in a heartbeat. Well, according to the FAA, no, I would never do that. That is against the rules. <laughs> never. Um, Absolutely not. But off the record, yeah, I, I, I have. I try to be a lot more care. I've had enough close calls with thousands of dollars flying in the air and yeah and then when you fly it out of sight and you lose connection to your phone oh, and gosh. then all of this item you don't know exactly what's happening to it and you know that there's only a 20 minute battery life on that thing before it just <laughs> before it just descends wherever it is and so that um has gotten me into some trouble in the past thankfully i have nothing has been terminal yet but um it's been it's i've had enough close calls to where now i'm like i want to be close to it to where if it falls out of the sky or i have a battery (laughs) issue i can be there to catch it um and there are some instances and depending on how hard it is to get the shot that i want that's not always an option so but um so i I do fly it out of sight and I think the equipment is getting so good. Now there are people who I know personally that take way bigger risks than I take and they have had great success with that. But for me, I I see it as I'm like, Oh, there's a thing flying in the sky that costs half the price of my car. I should probably take, (laughs) probably take care of that. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. So one of um, kind of the last kind of bigger questions that we have before we start to kind of wrap up, wrap up a little bit is I wanted to chat a little bit um, about your brand work and how that has kind of, how did that start for you and and how does that, 
process works. So you don't have to do a deep dive into that, but I, I do think some of our listeners are kind of, you know, I think especially in a world of, you know, Instagram influencers and this and that and the other thing, and they're not the same necessarily. But I think as a photographer, like this concept of being brought in to shoot for a brand or shoot for a company is something that people don't necessarily understand how that process works. Um, so I'd love to just hear a little bit of an overview of how you kind of came into that and, and how that process kind of works for you. Sure. Um, well, there's a couple ways that it, that it happened at the start. And some of it was me just finding companies who I think I would fit really well with and whose products I think would most naturally flow from my work. And I still I do that if I see a cool outdoor company or if I reach out to somebody like I got in touch with the people at Polar Pro because they make the best like drone accessories that you can find. And I was like, okay, this is a natural fit. I should see if they have any room to work with me and, and any interest so um, I still do that. I still will just kind of cold call and send emails and say like, hey, here's what I do. Having a really good like media kit, which is just like a PDF that's got some of your work, some of your uh, social media metrics, a, a little bit about you. It's kind of like your resume as a creative that, that you can send to these companies who are always trying to find people that want to create content, but they also, you can't expect them to just find your Instagram. Like, so I, so I think that there's, that I do have the added benefit of having been on Instagram and had some success there where some people do find me on Instagram and that's really nice. But I think at the start of it, it's like work with smaller brands, work with, work with entrepreneurs, work with startups, work with people who are a local to you where you can go into their clothing store or their outdoor store or their a bike shop or whatever it is that you want to shoot and say like, Hey, I'm a photographer. Here's some of my portfolio. I'd love to talk about partnering up. If you have any, any campaign that's coming up where you need somebody to create content are you? I'd love to be a part of that conversation. And I think also making sure that you're constantly languaging things as like, I want to be able to add value to your company, to your brand. I want to bring value to you. And so I think that if, if people can start with those smaller brands, reach out, to, I mean, shoot for this. I, I'm kind of an advocate of of like become a part of the conversation, even if it's, if it's impossible, like if you're just getting started in, in outdoor work, like what could it hurt to send an email to REI? Like, just like, why not? Like it's just become a part of, get some of that practice under your belt of like, how do you talk to people? Who are the right people to contact? How do you get in touch with their editors or their brand managers or their content team or their however like send messages to send dms to these brands on inst on instagram because especially if they're on instagram 
they value a platform that pushes out content. And so reach out and say like, Hey, I'm trying to develop more of a a portfolio of this kind of work. And until you have some of that work under your belt, you might have to do some work for lower paying clients because they don't have any reason to trust you yet, but also make sure you're showing that work more often. Make sure that that's something that you're putting out there. Make sure that your website reflects that when they say, oh, I just got an email from this guy and he says he wants to shoot this. But when I went to his site, I saw family pictures and food pictures, wedding pictures. Like, I like what? Like, I that doesn't make sense. And so I think that getting that brand work is it's especially now. I mean, I think I gotten at the tail end of where it might've been a little less saturated, but now I'm like, you really have to put in that like every week, like send out one more, like try to create one more contact, work with other people in your community that are doing that same kind of work so that you can pass. Like if, if there's uh, some, work that comes across your plate that you think might be a perfect fit for this other person, refer work to other people, like create community where, where you're supporting other people and everybody else isn't just a stepping stone for your portfolio. Like all of that is, is, is all very important. But I think that at least for the first couple years, it's like, I wouldn't have been able to make the switch to being a, landscape photographer if I didn't have such a big like chunk of landscape work to make a new website out of from the start and so that would have been way harder and so I tell people all the time like if you want to be taken seriously as a portrait photographer you might have to foot a bill to get a studio to hire a model to get hair and a makeup to where it's like you have these like wow images when people click on your website and that's what you want is if you want people to hire you they need to see like the top of what you're capable of and so um and now it's it feels like it's moved into this more obscure sort of it's not always clear of how people find like i recently i have a client coming up that's one of my largest clients and I I haven't asked them yet because I don't fully know how to ask this I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question in a way that's like natural but I'm like how did you find my work like I want to I yeah. like I I want to <laughs> know because I want to be able to leverage whatever that is um, yeah. and so I think that that will be a conversation that I'll probably have after the job is done just because I don't <laughs> want it I don't want them to think that I'm as clueless as sometimes I feel. No, it's interesting. I, I, I actually, I find myself trying to figure out how to ask that question a lot to of my wedding clients mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> because I I'm fairly new to, to shooting weddings. Um, and so I, I find myself getting so for the first like year or so it was like I knew who the people were because they were connected to somebody else that I knew. So, mm. you know, they'd get in touch with me. I'm like, Oh, I know this name, but now I'm like, I don't, 
where are you finding me? Yes. <laughs> but it's always like, how do you ask that question? I and mean, like, so how'd you hear about my, like, it's, yeah. it feels, it's like a weird question to ask because like, you know, if they're referred from a, for another client, I want to thank that client. Right. I also want to know like, are you, where are you finding me? So I could maybe like make sure I'm putting enough resources into whatever these avenues are totally. to make sure you can find them. Yes. But it is a really strange question to try to figure out how to word. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, because oh. I, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of asking them to like, help me figure out a part of my business that I want them to feel secure that I already know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, That's 100%. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I think that um, I'm trying to find other probing questions of, of like, of, of asking them things like, are there other people in my network who, who you've worked with in the past that maybe I could, look to as inspiration for this work because then I can see like, Oh, maybe they've worked with a person that I know personally, and maybe that was the connection. And I, so I'm trying to find other things. I mean, it's, it's, it's all, that's, that's been a constant question of, of like, how do these people find my work? And I would say that half of the time now um, I've developed such a, uh, such a understandable brand that a lot of people do find me from just in, from in, in, Instagram and from being reposted on the one of a billion uh, reposting Instagram pages. So that seems to be pretty common, I guess. Yeah. I also wanted to add too that, you know, if you're looking for brands or companies that you want to work with, the answer is always going to be no until you ask. So just you just have to kind of put yourself out there and you know be okay with the no and if they say yes then you can do your happy dance and jump up and down but yeah well, and it's about cultivating that relationship too um, and sometimes especially with you know with larger companies part of that is creating the relationship right and kind of popping back up for them again and again and especially if you're brand new right as you were mentioning Ryan and you're trying to break into this and maybe you don't have a lot of work for them to be able to look at if you keep kind of popping up for them here or there then potentially at a certain point that maybe one of those times you pop up and you have the work to back up what you're looking for, then they can remember, oh, hey, we've heard from this person a lot. And, oh, let's look at their portfolio. Wow, that's really changed from the last time we saw it. And so I think sometimes, you know, you know, our our generation, right, coming up is instant gratification. If I asked once, isn't that enough? And it's not always that way. And you have to be willing to put the work in and you have to be willing to, to cultivate the relationship. And because there's a there's a company there, but there's a person and people behind it. And if you're not comfortable or willing to make the call, to send the email, to put yourself out there, are, are you really like you're expecting them to that say yes to you? <laughs> totally. Well, and everybody needs to know that the that the question that you'll be hit with right away when you reach out to a brand or a client or a company is they will they will most often respond if they respond at all and say, what do you have in mind? Because they want to see that the creative person they're hiring has a creative vision to bring to them. Like it's not their job to create a campaign for you to shoot. Like you need to be able to like just know. And that's that's one thing that sometimes I forget too is I'm like – I don't even care. I just want to work with you, however, because I just want that partnership. <laughs> but I, I forget, and I am reminded every time that when I reach out to a brand, 
they will reach back out to me and says, sounds great. What do you have in mind? Like, what are your ideas on what a collaboration might look like? And so have something in mind that adds value to them. And so I think that if you can have not just the guts to like reach out and be willing to get rejected, but say, also, here's some things that I have in mind that I think would be really cool to partner with you on. Like if you have a new clothing line or a new product, I'm taking this trip. I would love to be able to like bring that and take pictures in these settings and it would be really cool. Like make it easy for them to say yes to a fully fleshed out idea because that's going to get you all the way down the road that when a person who is like a senior editor says that they need to go into a a meeting of like, okay, how are we going to carve out our ad spend for the next six months? They can say, well, I got an email from this person to do this thing with a campaign and it would cost us X amount. And they already have like an idea to present to their company when they have these meetings about how to spend their money that it makes it easy to say yes to you. And I think that so often creatives will say like, I just want a partner. I don't have any ideas. I just take pictures. And it's like, so now it's become this other person's job to do all of the homework of how to partner with you. Like you've just added work to their plate. And so I, I think that people don't, realize that they're like i just want to go through the hard process of finding this person's email and sending an email and it's like no there's there's a little more to it than that yeah that's great advice that's a great and a great mindset for people to have too of having their own creative idea of how they want to work with this particular brand Mm -hmm. i think i'm sure that's a piece that many people (laughs) are missing (laughs) i mean i i still miss it like there's still at times where I'm like, I don't know how I would work with you. I just feel like there's something there. And I and sometimes I'm like, that's all I have. And sometimes I want to just bring that and start the relationship with like, if there's any interest that you have to partner with me, I would love to hop on a phone call and just talk about it. Because if you can get it out of the like, dreadful like place of emails back and forth like nobody wants to have one more email to respond to so i'm like if you can just somehow say like i would just love to talk to you about like what you would what a partnership with you might look like do you have time to carve out a 15 minute phone call because if you have a 15 minute phone call, you will immediately set yourself apart from anyone else that's just in the hundreds of emails that they get every single day from other people asking them the exact same question you're asking. And so I always tell people like, if you can get a phone call, that's great. If you can meet them in person, that is like the best idea ever. So that's why I tell people like start a local because if you can sit across a person who is trying to develop their company and you can present them with some kind of creative vision for a campaign, like that will be such an easy thing to land that client, but it's way more 
work than just chilling on your couch watching Netflix, drinking coffee, sending emails. <laughs> like that's a lot more work, but people that succeed do more work. <laughs> so that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so much more personable. I mean, putting, you know, a face or a voice to something. I'm a big fan of sending, I don't know if you guys use it on Instagram, but the voice messaging, I send it to almost everybody I message. Mm. And they just love that personal interaction um, that they get because it's so easy just to hide behind your computer or hide behind Instagram and and your following never really sees or hears or knows who you are exactly, especially for people like me and Melissa where we shoot our children constantly. Um, I mean, a lot of times her and I are in, our, in the frame as well, but, you know, a lot of the people that we follow or we've become friends with, we don't know or see. So mm. it's nice to have that personal touch to it also. Totally. And that's one area that I'm trying to improve into because I think one of the things is like I – I sort of dread being on camera and talk, like I have this like weird internal battle of of like I don't want to talk to my phone. I don't have the vlogger in me. Like I that's <laughs> I have no vlogging yeah. bone in my body. But I'm like it's important though. It's important that people know who who you are. And so um, yeah. that's been a, that's been an area where I would say I suck in that part and I'm constantly like I see people that do it a while and I'm like I don't think less of that person when they do it why do I think other <laughs> like why do I think right. other people would judge me so harshly if I like talk to the camera for a bit like I don't know so that's a I'm I'm gonna be talking to my therapist about that so <laughs> <laughs> it's funny I was shooting a wedding this past weekend and the bride was saying she's like I I watch your stories all the time I was hmm. like and you still hired me so that's good <laughs> yeah. because yeah. right ninety percent of the time I'm telling stories about my children mm. about like other things happening in my life I sprinkle photography things in there too but um I was like well that's good I'm glad that I haven't turned you off completely so I guess I'm doing all right yeah <laughs> no people love it. I just hopped on this summer and finally was like, screw it. I'm just going to do it. Man. I don't – I know. And and so many of my friends like, just get in your stories. I'm like, fine. And then, I don't know. I guess I found my voice or my niche that way. But, yeah, I feel you, Ryan. It took me a long time, so don't worry. Yeah, I'm uh, – I, I kind of feel like I'm I'm going to ride the a wave of, of still enjoying the fact that I can be like – anonymous <laughs> un- <Yeah>. until <laughs> until it starts to hurt my business and then I'll be like all right now I got to change some things cuz I'm like that's going to be the last part of me I change I guarantee it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well Ryan we just again want to say thank you so so much for taking time to speak to us today it's been so lovely to chat with you um it's so nice when things kind of just flow organically and that's what this whole conversation has felt like um, and if people don't know where to find you, where can they find your work? Where can they find you? Yeah, I'm uh, at Ryan Longnecker pretty much everywhere. I have uh, that's that's I've luckily I own that corner of the world. So um, yeah, yeah, you can find me there. And I know that that I talked quite a bit, just rambly, and it was all great. But it, I know that there were people that had questions that if I didn't get to those feel free to like post any of those questions on your Instagram on the um, Hello Storyteller Instagram and I can 
I can chime in and try and answer those questions because I know that some people were, were hoping to hear something. So I'm I'd, I'd be happy to do a follow up just to make sure that everybody gets their questions answered too. Awesome! Thank you so much. For sure. All right, friends. So we will talk with you soon. We hope everyone has a great day. Bye, friends. Bye.